1: That's N-O-O-M
0: dot com to sign up for your trial today. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about Rotoballer.com, proud sponsor of the show. Do my written content over at Rotoballer.com, and this podcast is a podcast part of the Rotoballer radio network, so I want to let you know that uh, football season quickly approaching with you guys. Win big in 2021 with Rotoballer.com's NFL premium pass. Are you ready to dominate your season long in DFS leagues? RotoBallers NFL premium pass and draft kit includes rankings, projections, and cheat sheets for all formats. Get exclusive draft articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chats. Join in on the winning and take 50% off any premium pass. Use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% discount. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio, sign up today, and start balling like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 419. Got a f- first time guest of the show here to help me recap the craziness that was the MLB hot so season before the cold that was the lockout above. Usually it's the calm before the storm. This was the storm before the calm, and we 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 got it in a big, big way. You can find his work at the next on deck podcast, new podcast. It's pretty, pretty good. Just gonna throw it out there. And the fan tracks he writes over at fantracks.com as well. Fun with at Vin underscore armbarn, which is just hilarious with all the PIVA stuff these days. Ryan Venancio, how we doing, man? And Good. Thanks for thanks a lot for having me on. Yeah, no, thanks for joining me. I'm looking forward to it. Uh it's been fun I kind of following you over the last year or so um on Twitter and seeing your your work and your just your tweets and comments and, and work in the uh, the fancy baseball world. So it's fun to to get you on and chat it up a little bit. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's dive in. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. So we got a, a bunch of moves for those that have been sleeping under a rock of late to talk about, and uh, there's really no specific order in place. We're just gonna rock and roll and see where it goes. We, I kind of tried to keep them team centric. So we're gonna start with the New York Mets here. We're gonna start out with Max Scherzer, obviously a big, big deal going over there to the New York Mets. He's gonna be paired up with potentially Jacob Degrom if he pitches. Um, what's your overall thoughts on on Scherzer, who's basically like the thirdish pitcher off the board right now? Yeah, ADP
1: of 15, I believe, in DCs. Um, He's still such an elite pitcher. Even though he's 37, I don't see a reason why he would just suddenly not be good anymore. I know uh, people are scared of drafting 37-year-old pitchers, but Scherzer, I don't know if you share the same feeling. He kind of gives like a Nolan Ryan vibe off to me, where he's just like crazy and throws hard. I think he's going to be good until he's 40, 42 years old. Um, So I, I love Scherzer.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. He, like Nolan, Ryan's a great comp just because like him, Verlander, I know Verlander's coming off an injury and that's a whole nother discussion point, but there's certain of these kind of, they have like an old school feel to them. Like, just give me the damn ball. I'm going to throw it as as long as I can until basically my arm falls off or like Nolan Ryan, I'm going to go take some aspirin because you have those aspirin commercials for those that are old enough to remember those commercials that made you laugh because you could throw a ball through a, a a tire at his barn. Um, Those are always entertaining as well. But Yeah, I feel you with Scherzer. Scherzer, like, there's reports that actually came out. It was either had to be yesterday because reports don't come out anymore right now. Um, And he basically said the Dodgers were holding him back, like, on innings. And that made me laugh because he had the back issues and the dead arm and all that stuff. And he's still saying, yeah, the Dodgers held me back. So it was a, a very, very interesting thing with Scherzer, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he has there. And, yeah, like, we can sit there and sugarcoat Scherzer as long as we want, but there is not a ton to say besides he's elite. He's good as long as his arms there. He's he's fine. Are you willing to take him as a potential like in a fifteen teamer at that turn? So in the most recent draft I did,
1: I had pick seven. I took Burns. Um, So if I I don't I think if I don't get Burns, Scherzer would be the next guy. So if I had you know pick fifteen, I would probably take Scherzer.
0: Okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I I don't mind it either. Especially as these drafts get going more and more and pitchers get pushed up more and more. It's gonna be a very, very popular move and a very smart move, I think, to if you are a pitcher first guy, uh, with Burns and Cole likely off the map. We go there. Uh, next up for the New York Mets is Starling Marte coming off a monstrous year where the power wasn't uh, completely there for Marte, but yeah, whatever. Still stole like 47 bases last year, which is impressive. He's uh, He averages like 30 to 35 steals over his last four or five seasons. He's getting older, but he's going to New York. And um, what's your thoughts on him going into that lineup with the Mets?
1: Even though the Mets aren't a team that normally steals bases, I feel like that's more of a roster thing instead of, you know, they don't really – that's like a team philosophy. You know, they have guys like Dom Smith – Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil, guys that don't steal bases. But Marte might be an exception just because I can't imagine they're going to go out and acquire him and then he's going to stop running. Um, So I think he hits first or second in that lineup. Probably Nimmo first, Marte second, or flip-flop. The 370 Babip kind of scares me because that's a lot higher than he's put up the last few years. But, you know, in the second round, uh, I'd be more than willing to take Marte because of how. Harder just to get steals
0: yeah and that's the thing with the steals is, is you know the power he's never really been a monster power guy at least like he had those couple 20 home run seasons but before that he really wasn't a guy so it was kind of tough to tell was it the bouncy ball what was it um but he's always been a steals guy and at worst he's going to get you probably 25 plus if he has a normal year 30 plus and i think that's big as everybody talks about steals are getting harder and harder to find so you have to go kind of pay for them there's a price for them early in drafts and Marte is one of those guys um, for fun. Would you uh, kind of where the early picks are going? Would you rather go Marte or Whit Merrifield? If you're looking for your steals?
1: I think I like Marte better, Uh, better lineup. He's probably a better hitter. Mm -hmm. Steals should be similar. I think I'd go Marte. Yeah.
0: They're going like four or five picks apart right now. I go Marte as well, because the other caveat is you got to play five outfielders and that's tough to fill at times. So I'll tell you, I sure. thought that i kind of use that as an end angle, given Witt's got second base outfit eligibility this year. But uh, I, I, I like Marte a lot more because the, the, the Royals could do some goofy stuff with Witt with all the pieces they got coming in there and moving around. So we'll have to wait and see. Next up for the New York Mets, Mark Connor joins the team from Oakland. He's uh, an OBP machine. He's battling injuries this last year. So I kind of take that as a grain of salt when it comes to power. He's still 17 homers, not bad. He stole twelve bags, which was tremendous. We've seen him want to steal in the past, just hasn't really got it going. Um, what are your thoughts on him going to uh, New York, where for me, him not hitting towards the top of the order could be very rough for his production.
1: It could be, um, but he again, like you said, he's an OBP monster. Uh, he should play every day. I don't see why he wouldn't. And you know, it's hard to believe that he'll steal more than. The 12 bases were a pretty big outlier, even though you said he's wanted to steal in the past. Um, But I like him as an overall player. Uh, He has an ADP currently of 256. I feel like that's a reasonable price for Kana, just because he's a solid player. That's probably going to give you three, four categories. And again, like you said, you you have five outfield spots. He probably is a
0: solid OF4, would you say? Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, I, I just – in my NFPC 50 I'm in right now, I just took him at pick 241. So I, I didn't really think twice about it. He was my my fourth or fifth outfielder as well. So I'm, I'm 100% on board with you there. It's like my only concern with him besides the batting order, maybe I'm overthinking that. That's fine. But my concern with him is if they add more guys or if they don't get rid of certain guys, there's a lot of moving parts there. And I would pray if the fact they paid him, this isn't the case, But you got him who's great at OBP, and you got Nemo that's great at OBP. Like, there could be a potential platoon in place there, which would terrify me. I doubt that's what happens, but there's still a lot of outfielders in play in New York. Do you have any concern of that? Or are you just kind of like, that's going to play itself out?
1: Yeah, right now, their outfield would be Marte in center, Nemo in right, Kana in left. Um, I'm very, I'm pretty sure uh, Andy Martino came out and said, The Mets want Jeff McNeil to be their everyday second baseman. So, again, like unless something changes, I can't really see them playing Dominic Smith in the outfield anymore now that they have three solid defensive outfielders. So I I understand the concern because, I mean, they paid him, what, $10 million? It's not crazy. There's a chance he platoons, but that's that's not something I'm really worried about.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting if McNeil does play every day at second base. A, I think that's better for him. Obviously, Mm -hmm. but what's that do with Robbie Cano? I know there's a million questions with Cano. He's old. He's had back issues. He got pulled out of like Dominican or whatever because of his back. He's still big there. And one thing that stood out to me that I saw yesterday in in the Starling Marte interview, he one of the big reasons he signed with the Mets is because he loves to play with Robinson Cano. And something like I'm not saying that's going to make Cano stay there, but you'd have to imagine somewhere in the negotiations, Marte had some questions about Cano being with the team. That's just a thought I'd have. And that make I. In reality, Cano's the perfect DH for them. That's where it goes. But it, it, it when he said that, I'm sitting there going, hmm. Because like in your DCs and my 50s that I do, Cano's free. He's free. Like if you oh, wanted yeah. to just take a bullet on someone late, the dude can still hit. It's just he's getting old for the field, so DH is perfect.
1: Yeah, I, I could definitely see him slotting in the DH for them. I, again, But I was talking about Dominic Smith earlier. I'm, I could. He has options left. I could see them sending Dominic Smith to yeah. AAA. A or a bench slot, and Cano makes to- perfect sense as a DH.
0: Yeah, so that'll be a fun one to monitor for sure. Uh, the last new, uh, move here for the busy, busy Mets was Eduardo Escobar joining the club, and I like Eduardo for fantasy reasons usually because he's got the multi-position, he's a switch hitter, so it's hard to kind of platoon him a ton. Mm-hmm. It He's had a bunch of up-and-down seasons, don't get me wrong, but overall we're seeing pretty good production from him. Uh, Roster Resource has him batting seventh, which I guess – goes to show you how deep the Mets uh, lineup could be this year what's your thoughts on Eduardo because he's not like expensive in drafts right now but you still got to kind of pay for him a little bit so where are you viewing him well third base
1: is just uh, as you know third base is so awful this year I think he makes for a perfect corner infield backup third baseman or if you miss on all the guys he's a, he's a pretty good starting third baseman um, batting seventh uh, kind of stinks but he does pull all of his home runs, so I'm not sure City Field will affect him um, as much as people think. And he, Arizona isn't a great hitter's park anymore, and he's shown that he could hit in Arizona. So uh, Escobar being 2B, 3B, 25 bombs, 260 average, I think he's a really solid player in the 200 yeah. range.
0: I don't hate that. Yeah, you go around pick 200 right now uh, in drafts. I know I grabbed him in one of my earlier drafts, like DC's fit to the drafting whole concept. I think he's a great player for that flexibility. at second base, third base. Obviously, that means you get middle infield, corner infield. You mentioned as bad as third base can be. Like, say you take a chance on a Devers or you get one of the big guys early, that's a great fallback plan in case something randomly happens. Like, that's a decent option, as you mentioned. Um, and and the switch hitting ability, I think, is pretty big on keeping him on the diamond. So, I think that's one of, like, the, uh, the Mets made so many moves. I think the Escobar one's kind of sneaky because he's – In reality, say McNeil, maybe they get a great trade offer and they can trade McNeil and Dom Smith and get some pitching. Well, now you can slide Escobar to second if you want. You can keep him at third. You put J.D. Davis at third, put Escobar second. Just that flexibility he brings, it's going to keep him in the lineup a lot. So I'm a a big fan of that as well. All right, let's go to um, one of the surprise teams, maybe for good reasons, bad reasons, I don't know. Again, we're going to try to focus on the fantasy aspect of this, but um, they spent some money. Let's put it that way. Marcus Simeon goes to the Texas Rangers, and he got paid. Good for Marcus Simeon. I don't care about – I'm I'm happy for every player that gets paid. Screw the, the guys with, with all the money. The Scrooge McDucks of the world. Totally. But um, Simeon, he's coming off a couple of amazing seasons, so I'm not doubting that. He plays pretty much every day. But I think we can at least both agree going from that Toronto team to this Texas team isn't ideal for fantasy production. So what's your thoughts on Simeon coming over here? This uh, Texas lineup is so awful. It's so yeah. bad.
1: Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he should play every day, obviously. They're paying him uh, $25 million a year. Um, he's going to run a lot, but I-, I just don't see. I think he's going at the back end of the second round in drafts normally. He's
0: 26 right now. It's crazy. The
1: DC I'm in right now, he went 10th overall. I was like, the one with... I...
0: Are you in the one with Waxman? No, I don't believe back Waxman's out. in my head. Okay. I saw someone else tweeting. So about he, went down, someone else he went that high twice. Maybe. I, I saw someone else tweeting something similar. I'm like, goodness gracious.
1: Yeah, I can't get behind. Um, no. Third or fourth, maybe. Maybe as the offseason goes, he'll start to go later now that he's on the Rangers. But yeah, I, I can't get in at a second, second or third round price.
0: Yeah, it's just so much because it's like this offense. Let's just have, we'll talk about some more of the players, but just, okay, it's Calhoun, Simeon, Seeger, Garcia. And that's just still if they're uh, Nathaniel Lowe, Cole Calhoun, then Jonah Heim, Nick Solak, IKF. That's what Roster Resource has. Mm. That's not the spitting image of like, let's crush baseballs. So, and that ballpark is there's only one season. Obviously, things can change. Very pitcher friendly. So, that's going to be interesting as well. You know, Steemers got them for 30 with 11 steals, two, uh, 260 average, 96 and 84. Good numbers, not second round numbers. That's the tough part. So um, I guess the best thing about Simeon is he plays basically every day. So you're going to get at bats. That's beautiful. But going to, to Texas is going to be rough. He's going to also have to hit an Oco, which stinks. Anaheim it's better for lefties than righties. Like you just go down the list. Seattle's not the best ballpark to hit in. A lot of his games shifted from a friendly AL East to an AL West now. And that's a, a troubling predicament to be in. So I'm with you. Like, I'm glad he got paid. He – one year, prove it contracts, and he proved it. So good for you. But it's, uh, I don't know, Texas. I, if you're a Texas fan, it's cool that they did some things, but the way they did it makes you kind of wonder, like, what What are we doing? This reminds me of the Angels a few years ago. Like, what are we doing here? So um, we'll see. The next move, it gets better. Corey Seager, he got a boatload of cash to come to Texas. And Seager, we've known, is a good pure hitter. But for me, can't stay on the diamond. So what's your take on Corey Seager this year?
1: I was all in on Corey Seager going into twenty twenty. Um I had him on almost every team, so how cheap he was. Um Corey is one of my favorite players. I don't know, it's just something about him. I love how he plays the game. I always thought he was a great hitter. Um again, going to Texas, it's just mm-hmm. the worst possible landing spot for him. Um I could see twenty homers, twenty-five homers, and a good batting average, but uh, right now, he's going around pick sixty-four, and um, for a shortstop that doesn't steal, I'm I'm not sure I'll be having any Corey Sager this year.
0: Yeah, he doesn't steal, and I know like I hate labeling guys injury prone, and he maybe not be, but he's only had three seasons over a hundred games played. It's uh, it's troubling to say the least if you're going to pay that kind of draft capital for a guy that you pretty much had to garner in some missed playing time pretty pretty confidently. Um, another shortstop going right near him is Javi Baez, who we know everyone talks about the swing and miss. I know you're a hobby guy, but um, we'll talk about him later in depth. But just for fun, would you rather go to Corey Seager or Javi Baez? Javi Baez easily. Yeah, no, I'm with you too. It's an easy one for me, but I was in a chat today, and um, Eric Cross he started the conversation in the chat. But he put out a, a tweet like, who would you rather in a draft? And it's heavy Corey Seager fans heavy corey Singer wow. fans and it's like the me. joke i made the other day and you commented i'm like i love seeing the negative hobby slander just keep doing it guys keep doing your thing because that's outstanding for guys like us so have fun yeah. um next up cole calhoun it might not be the biggest of splash he probably platoons in the outfield any interest on calhoun this uh this this season not really although when i was looking at his numbers the other day i
1: didn't realize how good of a 2020 he had i didn't really i guess because i didn't have him in any leagues he just went nuts in 2020 um he's going around pick 500 it'll probably go up a little bit now that he's signed to the team he's interesting maybe it's like a power low average guy but he's probably going to platoon no yeah uh, even he's as, as bad as the rangers are
0: and... yeah like because at least i can't see going out there every day there unless they figure out some more outfield situations there's a good chance that Calhoun platoons. Plus, he's getting older, and he's been having a lot of like hamstring, y type injuries in the past, and those seem to keep popping up as you get older. So that'll be an interesting one to, to take as well. So definitely a guy in a deeper format. He'll be a guy that I guarantee you we will put fab dollars on throughout the season in good matchup weeks, 100%. We'll do that. Just sure. not sure if it's a guy I'm going to look to draft, like in a redraft league per se. So that'll be interesting. Uh, the last piece of the Texas Rangers fun, John Gray, he's going to look – little less than pick 300 right now that's going to keep creeping up he's going as high as 226 so he's going to keep moving up the board signs with texas he's out of colorado which he pitched fine in colorado but some people are i think way too excited for this where do you land on this one yeah i agree with you
1: i think people are a little too excited um i can see him being you know like a real life sp2 sp3 but he's not I don't think he's going to go from a four ERA to a three ERA. Maybe he sits in like the high threes. Uh, He's going to get you strikeouts. He has that nasty wipeout slider that has a 40% whiff rate. Uh, Maybe if his VLO creeps back up to the 95, 96 range, that's where he used to sit before 2020. um, Maybe he can be a mid three to low threes guy. But uh, like you said, he pitched well in cores. So I don't know why. His ERA would drop that drastically.
0: Yeah, that's the the conundrum there for sure. But like, you know, the X ERAs and all that stuff do show pretty much yearly that he is uh, under or getting getting kind of getting screwed in the system here. But we'll see. It's a good ballpark to pitch in. Great ballpark to pitch in. Again, a good division. Everything we, like I said about Simeon works in Gray's favor. We'll just see if he can give him the innings and the if the strikeouts can bump at all. So I think he's good. I would have liked him if he was going normal, but he's gonna get bumped up quite a bit where you start getting the discussion points that uh, things change a bit because, say, like I said, he's got as high as two twenty six. So just for fun, uh, guys going around two twenty six right now. Um, you got Disco or you got John Gray? Who do you have? Disco funny for sure. Yeah, Herman Marquez or John Gray? I think John Gray. Yeah, uh, Patrick Sandoval or John Gray? Sandoval for sure. And then the last one, I'll go with Tristan McKenzie or John Gray.
1: Ooh, that's close. Uh. Don Gray, I think.
0: So at least it looks like he fits in this realm then. So yeah, I the guess two, right.
1: That's like that's like the 220, 230
0: range? Yeah, give or take. That's right, because I, I put him as high okay. as he's going as 226. He might even go higher, but in that range, that's the starting pitching we got right now. So I guess he fits there. That's fair. Like it's a, a fair price point with the, all things considered. So that works for me. All right, let's talk those Detroit Tigers. Kind of hinted at them already. We'll get to... Uh, the shortstop in a minute but let's talk one of the guys i love i get a lot of criticism for it but it panned out last year in a big way because he was he was under he was i always say it the wrong way he should have performed better it just bad luck happens i know that's a bad way to analyze things but some guys get bad luck just is what it is um erod i think is a very good pitcher i don't know if he's a in a perennial ace but fantasy wise he's like a good fantasy three four which you get him for in drafts what's your thoughts on erod going to detroit now I love the move,
1: um, and that's funny. I get um, we're we're in on a lot of on a lot of players, so similarly, That's really funny. I love Erod. Um, I had him on a bunch of teams last year, uh, and you know he got super unlucky. He had a three six five Sierra, three four three XFIP. but he was sitting five high four ZRA the entire season. Um, moving to Detroit is huge for him. Uh, the park is so much better. The defense should be better too. The what was so bad about Boston last year is not only was it one of the most friendly offensive parks, they're also one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Yep. When you have JD Martinez and Kyle Schwarber in the in, in the field, it's a nightmare. But um, I really like him, and I pick one sixty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm all in on Erod this year.
0: Yeah, that's a good at worst SP two, if not SP three for you. Uh, Some guys SP four, depending on how you draft. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like a top eleven round pick. And that's very, very f- fair for Erod. Like you said, in that division, uh, the way he pitches, he's always been a strikeout guy. Walks are uh, sometimes an issue here, or there. Like you look at last year, the left on base rate was so low compared to years past, like literally ten percent lower than most. You just take the ten percent and add that back, and that ERA just plummets. Like that's it's just minor little things like that, and that's the bad luck you talk about with like that defense behind them. I remember there were starts, and it's like a CNI single gets by because the defense sucked, and all of a sudden, no runs turns into three runs. Yeah, and little be- things like that. It's crazy. I-,
1: I believe he had the highest Babip of the last decade.
0: Uh, I three sixty three.
1: That is I- that is high, yes. I tweet I tweeted that in the middle of September. I didn't check to see if it still was, but as of like late August, early September, he had the highest babip of the last decade.
0: Yeah. Three sixty three is that's lunacy. It's insane. <laughs> that is, it's insane. That's yeah, like I said, bad luck is bad analyzing. I get it, but that's bad luck. <laughs> that's all yeah, I can say. No, no that's 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 pretty bad. Uh, let's talk about the other guy that we like. So, apparently, we have to go buy Detroit Tigers gear is what it looks like. Um, <laughs> uh, Javi Baez goes to the Tigers, and everyone's like, I don't mind the money, but it's the length of the contract. I'm like, you know what, guys? He's 29 years old, and I get it. He swings out of the zone a ton, and that's not sustainable. I get it. I've heard it 1,000 million times, it feels like. But you know what he does do? I know you'll agree with me on this one, Ryan. He hits the crap out of the baseball. And he steals a lot of bases, which everyone cries about, and you get him late in drafts. So, what's your thoughts on Javi Bias?
1: Yeah, I love Bias. He hits the crap out of the ball. He steals bases. Not only that, he's an amazing defender. You know, he's going to play every day. Um, the one concern is Comerica is just an awful park for yeah. right handed hitting homers. Um, that gap in left center is ridiculous. Center field is ridiculous. Right center is ridiculous. But Bias has so much power. I can't. Can you see him hitting less than 25 homers? I really can't.
0: No, especially because, you know, he gets a streaky guy and gets hot. It just takes like one road trip outside of America, and the dude could pop off and just have one of those weeks. Just give him like, well, he's going to play what 10 or 11 games in Chicago. That ball flies out. That's going to be yep. bigger right out the gate. And then he got, you know, he's still going to, to play in the AL East, which has a couple lively ballparks. He's going to – he'll have his times. Yes, half your games in Camerica stinks. We get it. Like We we did this a million times with the Castellanos thing when he left. Like, oh, thank God. Like I get it. I wrote an article on it. I get it. Um, but I'm with you. His power is just – it's natural. It's ridiculous. Um, he's had 23 or more home runs in four straight full seasons of baseball. Uh, so I think 25 or more is very, very fair. I'm with you. And people talk about how he can't hit – you know, his, his – his, just messed up average and everything, it's been 265 or better every year since 2015 outside of the shortened season. Like the dude can hit just like, let's go, let's go people. So if not, it's just more for me and Ryan. So that's fine. But um I, I appreciate all of you. All right, let's go to the blue Jays who have been busy as well. You know, they re-signed Barrios, which is good to see. They've, uh, they've been hinted at, you know, some other potential offensive players to come join the fun, but their big splash of this uh, off season, was Kevin Gosman, former giant out of my backyard here, going over to the Jays on a, on a deal I was surprised to see. Let's put it that way. He earned it, but still surprised. What's your thoughts on Gosman in Toronto? Because he's a guy, even though I've watched him for two straight seasons, I have so much trouble buying in because he relies on the splitter so much, but he's been very effective. No, I
1: totally agree. Um, it's alarming to see Kevin Gosman get five years, $150 million contract. It's so weird. Yep. But, um, Going from San Francisco to Toronto is going to be so huge. Uh, for the home run rate, which was really was able to be really low in San Francisco, I just can't I can't get behind him at pick 50. So he'd, he'd probably be your SP2. And even if you don't take pitching, he's your SP1. That's just not something I could do. I can't rely on Gaussman to be productive in the AL East. Um, like you said, the splitter, so reliant on it. Uh, he saw his velo tick up at San Francisco. He's 31 years old. Uh, not that that's old, but it's just so much has to go right for him to, yeah. uh, give you profit at that pick.
0: Yeah. And that's my problem. Like I finally took him in one of my NFC fifties cause I'm, you know, different draft spot. I started forcing my, I, I immediately regretted it. Like when I did it. And I, I know we can still be good. I'm not foolish for this because the strikeout stuff is there. The splitty keeps working, or maybe, you know, but work they, they keep working with them like the Giants did. We saw what they did with Robbie Ray. Maybe there's something there. I just – you rely on that splitty so darn much, it's it's tough. You lose that pitch, and it can be really, really rough. So, like, I don't mind if you do a bunch of drafting. Get a couple pieces if you want. That's cool. That's part of the fun of doing all these these drafts. Like, if I have a couple – like, say you're doing a main event. I don't think I'm going into the main event going, hey, I need to get Kevin Gossman as my SP1 or 2. That's a, I, I wouldn't sleep easy knowing that. And like it's one of those – one of the things I talk about a lot on this show and other stuff, Ryan, is doing playing fantasy baseball, you can't be afraid to be wrong because you're going to be wrong more than you're right. So it's one of those, like, if Gossman pitches great again, it's one of those, like, I tip my cap. Cool. Congratulations. Like, I, I was wrong, but I didn't have to stress about it either. <laughs> so that that's fun as well. Um, another minor deal, they got Yimmy Garcia. I don't think there's much to, to to look into that. Do you?
1: No, he's probably their yeah. setup man, if not their seventh inning guy.
0: Yeah, they have him down on the, the roster resource. I think he's gonna be pushed up to like at least the seventh or eighth, like you said. So mm-hmm. maybe if God forbid if something happens to Romano, then we might see Yimmy, but that's about it. Uh let's go to the Giants real quick. Uh Alex Wood and lafani get brought back. Uh both coming off pretty good years. Wood obviously always having trouble playing a full season, but when he's out there he pitches well, and disco Transformation was pretty darn obvious and pretty darn awesome. Are you in on either one of these guys next season?
1: Yeah, I mean, Discoffani. I went to high school with, so I have to be on him. Oh, but that's um, awesome. yeah, yeah. Um, he's a year older than me, I believe. But um, yeah, the Discoffani with the ground balls, strikeouts, you know, mid threes, ERA, at around pick two thirty. I think that's great. Uh, Alex Wood, career ERA, career ERA of three five. He's been underrated, I feel like, for his entire career. No, I know he has a little trouble staying healthy, but it whether it's the wacky delivery or whatever, he's still able to be effective. Um, and the Giants are slowly becoming one of the smarter organizations, so anything they do, I can get behind.
0: Yep, yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty happy with it too when I. When I, uh, as a Giants fan, of course, when they brought them back, it's like they got the band back together outside of Gossman. And what looked like a, a loss rotation all of a sudden is looking a lot better. And one of those pieces is add, adding Alex Cobb, who for so many years, I'm like, well, Alex Cobb. But then you saw as he's kind of getting older and working with his pitch mix and everything, things started to get kind of usable with Alex Cobb. Even last year in Anaheim, he wasn't able to pitch a full season. But when he was out there, he was very, very effective. And the strikeout rate was the best of his career by far. Um, and now you go to the Giants and I know it's, you know, whatever, but they've made things work with guys. Like they keep the reclamation projects going. So there's something working there. Are you interested in a guy like Alex Cobb going over to the Giants? You mentioned with Wood and Disco, what they're doing, their works. And you're getting Cobb at like 340 right now.
1: Yeah. Another guy, I love Cobb. Um, I have him in a bunch of dynasty leagues. So I was able to pick him up in the middle of uh, last year when his peripherals looked really good, but his ERA didn't quite show it. And then later on, he started to pitch a lot better. Um, it, the splitter and curveball are really good pitches. And again, anything the Giants do, anything Farhan Zaidi does, I'm all on board for. So I, I love Cobb going to San Francisco.
0: Yep, I'm a big fan as well. Let's talk uh, Brandon Belt just real quick. Again, didn't play a full season. The last injury was kind of fluky. He got hit by a pitch, took him out for like two to three weeks to the end of the season, if not the full month. Can't remember now. So that kind of sucked. But hit 274, 29 jacks. Like it was a career year for him. And I'm a belt apologist because like, I've like i watched his entire career. He's a very, very good hitter. And that ballpark, they've done studies on it, has taken so many stats away from him. So I get it if you're looking for a big power first baseman. He's not your guy. I, I get it. Awesome OBP guy. But what belt does give you is he gives you um, an amazing draft. Well, he's up to 218 now. He's actually, he's actually getting some respect out there, which is good to see. But are you in on this? Because he is coming off a career year, which is tricky at twenty nine homers in ninety seven
1: games is so insane um but what the Giants have done with their batters is um having guys pull the ball in the air a bunch and try to mm-hmm. you know negate the the effects of oracle um mm-hmm. even though his strikeout rate went up a little bit, I will happily take um maybe he hits two forty two fifty I don't really see him hitting two seventy two eighty, but yeah. I think he can give you 30 home runs next year. Like you said, he's a great hitter. Um, Hits the ball near a ton, pulls the ball near a ton. So uh, I I love Belt in the 200 range.
0: Yeah, I'm a fan of him. It's one of those um, first bases a lot deeper than people think this year. um, It's been kind of fluctuating the last few years. But this year it's got a word like a, a very nice top tier. And then it's like kind of grouping where you can kind of intermix dudes. And it's one of those like you can't project playing time a ton, but if Belt somehow puts like 120 games out there, that's going to be really awesome. Like, really, really good production. So, would you rather have Brandon Belt or Josh Bell? Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt or Nathaniel Lowe? Brandon Belt. The one sure. thing I forgot to ask, and I'm with you, the Nathaniel Lowe, does having Simeon and Seeger in front of him help you at all, wanting him maybe a little more? Because now there's at least guys to potentially drive in. The only reason I don't like uh, Nathaniel Lowe is because
1: his batted ball profile is really similar to Hosmer. Uh, Ooh, hits oh, yeah, a hits lot a of ground lot, balls. Pulls a lot of grounders, and then when he hits the ball in the air, it's to the opposite field. So yeah, That he's, is less than ideal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so unless he makes some drastic change, um, I don't see him being any more than a 20-homer guy on okay, a bad no, team. But, yeah, I, I can see him driving in more runs, obviously, mm-hmm. with Seeger and Simeon ahead of him. But low runs, mediocre average, 20 homers from a first baseman, that doesn't really
0: excite me. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very good point about that the uh, The overall hit profile needs needs some work. He's young, so I'm I'm hoping he pulls it around. But is the one the one plus I will say with him compared to other guys, he played I think in 157 games last year, which for sure yeah he's gonna you, play. Which you don't down. get you, yeah what you don't get from a lot of these guys. So in a world where we, it's been said enough, but I'll say it again, in a world where we, Phil Duceau and others proved to win some of these big boys, you just need played appearances. Period. It's interesting. Um, Minnesota Twins, what is interesting is Byron Buxton got paid, and rightfully so. Like, there's been a lot of mixed reactions here because obviously, if you played long enough, you know, Byron Buxton gets hurt a lot and it sucks. But when he plays, it's like everyone says with Adalberto Montesi, but when he plays, he's great. I I hate to break it to you, but Buxton's the same way, and everyone hates on Buxton, it feels like. So, what's your thoughts on Buxton? Like, I, I still get very timid drafting him, and I don't draft him a ton, but I still respect, like, it's one of those if somehow he runs into a full season, like, my goodness, what he could do. So what's your thoughts on him back in Minnesota? 13 IL stints since
1: 2018. How insane is that? That's a lot. 13. Has that there might be some type of record. But um <laughs> 14 million a year is a great contract for both sides. Yep. I mean, the Twins are going to get that value back easily. Uh, oh, he's yeah. still amazing when he's on the field. I just at pick 60 and some in some drafts he's he's gotten taken a lot higher than that in like the four late late forties early fifties. I just can't I can't spend one hundred and fifty three hundred dollars on a league and take Byron Buxton as my fourth or fifth best player. It's just uh, so uncomfortable for me. I I can't yeah. be out on that price.
0: It's so tough to stomach because like when he's healthy the dude's a freak. He's he's really really good. It's just a healthy thing. It's it's tough. It's really, really tough to to to, to deal with. Would you rather Buxton or Oh, As a
1: Royals fan, I guess I have to say Mondesi, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
0: It's tough because they both have like a lot of similarities to them. That's what's That's tricky about it. Sure. Uh, so I'm curious to see where that one goes. Uh, let's talk one more move that dropped on, I believe, Wednesday night or Wednesday afternoon. The Twins signed Dylan Bundy. And I only bring this up because we're only like a year removed from Dylan Bundy looking amazing. Last year was just disaster. There's no sugar coating in any way, shape or form. He ended up in the bullpen to finish the year. Do you think a potential change of scenery, change of division? Do you have any hope in a guy like Dylan Bundy who you can get at pick like four seventy right now?
1: Yeah. He's going really late in drafts. I, if he fell a little bit, maybe mid five hundreds, I might be in, um, I don't really love the twins as an organization in terms of like player development or getting the best out of their players, but I guess you could do worse in that range. It's just that the one concern with me about Bundy is, uh, the velo has just slowly gotten down and down and down. Now his fastball is at 90 miles an hour. I remember in Baltimore, he was sitting 93, 94, 95. He's just not that same pitcher anymore. And, um, I'm trying to do my best to ignore 2020. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to treat it as if it was a full season. So, you know, if he if Bundy's price were to go up because he signed with the team finally, I don't think I would have any shares. But, you know, it it you could do worse, I think.
0: Yeah, he's one of those guys that's kind of intriguing as you, like, get to 470, 500 in these long drafts that we're doing. He's intriguing because one of those, like, okay – he could be a depth piece for me that I don't have to use often in case of emergency type deal. Or if he figures it out, I like, guess it's pretty awesome. So it's such a tough spot. But like you said, the Twins don't really develop pitching a ton. So it's a, it's a weird landing spot. It's great for the Twins. It's a cheap, you know, whatever. If it works, I can flip them at the deadline or something. And it's great for them baseball-wise. But for us, it's a, a tricky, tricky spot for sure. Arizona Diamondbacks surprised me with this move. Surprised me a lot. And the big part is because it was a two-year deal that's what surprised me the most. We know Arizona is like in this weird constant rebuild right now. And last year they had a couple closers and they traded Soria and all these things. So I didn't, wasn't surprised they brought a closer in to potentially trade, but two years means he's probably not getting traded. Um, They brought in Mark Melanson, who as much as people want to make fun of the guy, when he gets a chance to close, he's still very effective. And he signed late with San Diego last year, Ryan, and he got the job done for 39 saves. Now Arizona might not win 39 games this year that's a problem I'm, I'm joking but you know what i mean what's your thoughts on melanson because he is going to skyrocket up now because he's one of the guys that actually has a locked in job so he's a pick 130 ish right now
1: yeah i i like melanson um even though the diamondbacks like you said are going to be awful probably a 60 win team at best in that crazy division um what do you think is is He's at eight. He's at one twenty four now. He probably goes up what forty spots.
0: Yeah, easily because there's only a handful of guys that have like a locked in role right now. So these early drafts, he's going to be a, a a premium pick. Yeah, he may even go higher than that. I guess yeah. I'd have to wait and see where his ADP settles. But you know,
1: like you said, he's a locked in closer. When when us degenerates are drafting in December, yep. you need to you need to have a lock in closer at at least two of them. I think.
0: Yes, exactly. And he's one of them. Like, even if he gets you, if he, because he's locked in, if he can get you 20 to 25 saves and the market we've seen lately for saves, that is ridiculously huge. <laughs> so it's, uh, it sounds funny for those that might not be degenerates like us, as you said, but it's, uh, it's true. It's very true. Um, would you rather go Mark Melanson on the D backs or Camilo Duvall? Uh, Melanson. Okay. Cause I think Melanson will go a couple rounds before Duvall. Cause Duvall's still, hasn't got the helium i thought he would get so yet he's still like around 10 ish I mean, like nine or ten i thought he'd be going up higher by now and he has not which surprised me a ton so um a guy that goes much later technically is the closer right now and he might be for a while we'll see would you rather go melanson say around pick 80 mm-hmm. or matt barnes like almost 80 to 100 picks later
1: uh melanson for sure not a yeah, fan not of barnes that.
0: that's fair what about this next guy here on the Philadelphia Phillies? They surprised some people, and they went and picked up Corey Kniebel, who was very good in his time with the Dodgers. He's been good in the past as a closer, too, with the Brewers at times. They picked him up on a, on a nice little deal. He was outstanding when he pitched last year, like ridiculously filthy. And reports out of Philadelphia have already said he's basically the closer right now. And I know it's tongue in cheeks. We don't know for sure, but you, that's the only info we got. So – a, what's your thoughts on Knebel with Philadelphia? And if he is the closer, you like him over Melanson?
1: Yeah, I, I he should definitely be the closer. Um I can't see Alvarado taking that job cuz his command is so awful. He doesn't scream closer to me. Um so I definitely think Knebel gets the job. Uh if he can go back, it, he got Tommy John surgery, right? I, I believe uh, a couple years ago, yeah. yeah, yeah, so last year was his he pitched what? A few innings in 2020, or did he even pitch Yeah, in 2020? he
0: pitched 13 innings in 2020 um, okay. in 15 short relief appearances, basically. So, yeah, he uh, missed all of 19.
1: So now another full season removed from Tommy John. Maybe he can go back to his elite self and be even better. Um, do I like him more than Melanson? That's tough. Maybe because the Phillies are going to be a much better team. I don't know, though. That's really close. What do you think?
0: Yeah, it's tough. I, I think I lean Corey. But, like, Melanson, to lose the job in Arizona, he has to be ridiculously bad, where we've seen Philadelphia play roulette. And I don't think they will right away, but we've seen it. And that can make things interesting. You're getting a heck of a discount on Corey, but that's not going to last forever. Like, he's already gone as high as 237. That's going to keep climbing. So, I'm curious to see where it goes. I think Corey's one of those ones, if you're drafting early, you can play the chicken game and hope you get him around pick 200 probably and and snipe him. Otherwise, uh, you're not going to get him. And uh, I think I go Melanson, though. I think I go Melanson. But that's a tough one. That's a very tough one. I, I think Melanson's the right call. Yeah, just for the stability. Like the, mm-hmm. It's such chaos in the world of saves, as everyone's mentioned a million times, that at least Melanson's, like, there. So In, in the draft so. I'm in, Knable just
1: went. I, I know he went in the last round that we just did. So Can they... a slow
0: draft, and the the news just dropped, so someone grabbed him. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: yeah, someone took him yesterday. He went – oh, I just had the draft board up, and uh, I went away.
0: Um, went around 16, so he we went around 14. I'm looking at the one I'm in. <laughs> yeah, in um the one I'm in, he ran around 16. Yeah, I'm in a 12-team, or you're in a 15, so yeah, they're close, close. But, yeah, he went around 16, and I'm in around 23 now. So he's moving on up, folks, moving on up for sure. Let's go to the Miami Marlins. They made some splashes. Like they're starting to do things over there. Michelle Ng and um, and Jeter have a, a good thing going. And the first move is uh, Avi Garcia coming in. And I'm always been an Avi fan just because the dude can hit. He steals bases when people don't really expect him to be a guy. A guy that steals the power is pretty legit. Um, just an overall really good player. I like him in Miami. I know it's a tough ballpark, but what's your thoughts on uh, Avi Garcia? That's the one concern for me is the huge drop-off in park. Um, In terms of
1: um, on StatCast park factors, you can search by home runs for right-handed batters. Um, Milwaukee was the sixth best for home runs, and Miami is the eighth worst. Um, Again, he's going to play every day. He's a good player. He should give you some steals, 20 homers. Um, I'm actually surprised his ADP's above 200 I wasn't really expecting that uh so maybe if he drops a little bit because people don't like that he's in Miami I I might be in but I think 190 is a little too high for me
0: yeah it's tricky I've passed on him a few times like I like Avi but he got a little helium and now we have to see like if if he falls I'm 100% with you he'll become much more appealing like would you rather go Avi or Austin Hayes
1: that's tough
0: I think Avi because of
1: how injury prone Hayes is
0: yeah, they're like the two kind of closest like Jorge Soler? I'd go Soler. Okay, because Garcia and Soler are right next to each other, and like the next closest outfielder is pretty much Austin Hayes. So mm-hmm. it's a, an interesting realm right there, to say the least. Definitely. The other move the Marlins made, they traded away Jorge Alfaro, and they picked up Jacob Stallings. To me, it's like the deepest of leagues, or if you just punted catcher, he's a decent catcher too, I guess. Do you have any thoughts on Stallings? No, not really. He's going to
1: play every day. About a you know below league average bat. Um What might be an upgrade is the Marlins pitchers, though. Defense uh, yeah. defensively, he's he's a pretty big upgrade framing wise over Alfaro and Sandy Leone and the other catchers they used last year. So I could see a slight bump in Marlins pitchers for having Stallings there.
0: And just what they need a bump. They already have one of the best pitching staffs <laughs> in baseball. And like that's a, that's a good point because Stallings was very good behind the dish. And I guess one of the reasons why they wanted to bring him in there because they got such young pitching. Let's give Alcantara, who we just gave money to. Let's give Pablo Lopez. Let's give these guys a better uh, receiver back there. That's that's a smart move. That's a baseball move that a lot of fancy people don't pay attention to. So that's a good call when it comes to that. Let's go to Los Angeles Dodgers here. They brought back Chris Taylor on a, a pretty good deal. Some people thought he should have got more. I'm like, he's 31, and I know he's he's been great, but he's still a utility guy. And I, I thought it was a fair deal, but maybe I'm, I'm mistaken on the whole situation. But he's coming off a great year. 20 homers, 13 steals, hit 254. Um, what's your thoughts on Chris Taylor besides the fact he can play everywhere for your fantasy team? Taylor's one of my favorite players. Um, I try to get him in every league. The contract he got, I, I agree with
1: you. I think it was fair. Um, I was more just surprised that no one was willing to match that just because yes, of team, teams like Philly and Boston need him badly. So I was kind of confused as to why no one matched that. Um, or again, maybe he wanted to go to Los Angeles, so you, know, you don't really know. Um, the last two months of last year, though, I believe he had a neck injury. And he yeah. fell off a cliff. He had a 57 WRC plus and a 35% K rate uh, the last two months of the season. I think that might be why he's falling in drafts. Um, at pick 160, I love Taylor. With the eligibility, power, speed, uh, I, I would take Taylor all day there.
0: Yeah, no, I've been grabbing him in these, these draft and hold drafts, and I, I love it just for the fact he's very productive, as you said. He's going to play everywhere. And he can play, I think it's what, second outfield shortstop or whatever for your team. It's freaking awesome. So big fan of that flexibility in his production. Uh, The other move the Dodgers made is they they signed Andrew Heaney. I've always been an anti-Andrew Heaney guy. I've always been out there talking my trash and people. Part of it's just sarcasm, just to have fun with it. I know there's hope and optimism for Heaney because he strikes guys out. And maybe you're an Andrew Heaney guy because I know some really smart people that are. What's your thoughts on him going to the Dodgers? That's the, so. We
1: finally have a player that we don't that we disagree on. Um, yeah, I, I like Heaney. Um, I was ecstatic to see him go to the Dodgers. A team it you is know, a great been, landing spot for him. He, yes, he's been on the Angels his entire career. A, a, a team that is not known for developing pitchers whatsoever. Um, Eleven Ks per nine last year. Two walks per nine. If they can somehow fix that home run issue, so he just give up, gives up home runs like crazy. If he can somewhat fix that issue. Um, his ADP right now is three sixty six, and that's even that's after crazy. everyone knows that he's on the Dodgers. I would almost reach seventy picks just to have him because I like him so much more than all the pitchers in that in that range.
0: No, see, I won't argue with that. The price tag, I think, is very fair. Very, very fair. In recent years it's been much higher, and that's been a turnoff for me. And I agree that the Dodgers, if anybody can fix him, it's he's one of the that's one of the spots for sure. I could see that. So I could see the appeal. I just I think the reason I make fun of him so much is I do a lot of DFS. And since he gets it so many home runs, he's phenomenal to tar- to target against. Like he's just a fun, fun target against. But uh, we'll see. The strikeouts are legit. So that, that's hard to deny. If they can figure that out, big things could come. So yeah, right now, that draft price, I didn't realize it was that low. That can be very, very, uh, very intriguing, actually. The more I think about it, and only, the only thing that'd be funnier is if I win a bunch of fantasy leagues with Andrew Heaney on my roster.
1: It so, would be funny.
0: People, People would love that. Um the Red Sox, these can <laughs> the Red Sox. Um James Paxson intrigue you at all? No, not even not even remotely. <laughs> and it sucks. I used to love the big maple, but I don't even know if he can throw a baseball 60 feet right now. Um Michael Walker. No, five, five ERA last year on a in a pitcher's park behind
1: a great defense. I don't know how he's gonna do any better in Boston.
0: Yep. Uh what about Rich Hill, Big Dick Mountain?
1: Dick Mountain um, I like him in real life As your six-seven starter But uh, in fantasy I nah, don't have much interest
0: This is your Red Sox offseason in a nutshell folks um, And then they traded away A very very good outfielder in Hunter Renfro For a uh, bag of balls and Jackie Bradley Jr What's your thoughts on Jackie Bradley Jr
1: The only thing I could think of Why the Red Sox would make that deal Is that they need defense so badly yep. That they, have, they need Jackie Bradley Jr In center field desperately
0: um, yeah, that's the only thing that makes so, sense.
1: Yeah, or one of those, I I don't know either of those prospects well, so maybe one of them are interesting, but th- that would be the only logical reason to do that trade.
0: Yeah, someone painted it out like you put JBJ in center, which allows you to move um, Kiki Hernandez, Enrique Hernandez, over to second base full time, which is better for the whole system, and uh, it kind of helps with the defense. That's the only thing that makes sense because rough stuff because Hunter Renfro is good. And Hunter Renfro joins the Brewers now, basically taking the spot of Abby Garcia. What do you like about this?
1: I loved Renfro last year, um, mm-hmm. and I even think with uh, if there wasn't a dead end ball, or now that we know it, it could have been either one that they were playing yeah, with. Which is ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, that's that's for another discussion. But yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, Renfro did a lot of a lot of good things last year. He cut a strikeout right down, hit the ball in the air a lot. Um, the move to Milwaukee could help him for homers, and even though he hit 31, I could see him being a 30, 35 guy again. Um, you know, he's going to play every day in Milwaukee. Uh, I like Renfro a lot.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm a big Renfro fan. Like my biggest concern last year, and I, I still had him places like not so much in redraft leagues, and I kind of wish I did now. I was still concerned because for his like, entire career in Tampa Bay, he was platooned all the time, and and then his, his time in San Diego is so wishy washy. So I'm like, oh, okay, you know, Boston's going to bring him. They got, uh, you know, Duran and other guys. They're going to platoon him or this, that, or the other. They let him run, and it was beautiful. It was glorious. So if uh, – and Milwaukee should as well. They really don't have as much depth as people think. Christian Yalich is – God knows what's going on there. I'd love to see him hit again, but I think they would too. It's like Tyron Taylor, but he's a righty. They don't have a lot of lefties, basically, to platoon with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's awesome. Like, I'm with you 100%. He slides right into that Avisel role, and – that lineup's still very good, especially if Yelich decides to hit eventually. That lineup could be – that Brewers team is built for a little bit here, which could be fun. So I love that move. I think it's a very, very good move right now. Um, would you rather have Renfro or Abbas Garcia? Renf- Renfro. Yeah, I figured as much. All right, the Washington Nationals. Like This isn't the sexiest of moves, but, again, if you're doing the deep drafts, best balls, drafts, and holds, there's at least some validity. And I, I, I find Cesar Hernandez on my team's – more often than not, even in redraft leagues, just because he usually hits to the top of the order. He gets on base and he runs a little bit. That's slowing down in recent years, but the power is increasing. So it's a weird trade-off, as we're seeing here. What's your thoughts on Cesar Hernandez, who's uh free?
1: Yeah, I mean, he should bat second in that lineup. Um and he scored 84 runs last year, 21 bombs. It I can't really see him hitting two thirty again. He doesn't really come off to me as a two thirty hitter without and you know, with an average strikeout rate, I, I don't really see him in a 230 again. Um, I I love the landing spot for him. And like you said, late in drafts, he's free. I don't see why he can't hit 20 homers again with 80 runs, maybe a 250 average. I think he's a great pick late in drafts. Yeah,
0: definitely. Uh, Colorado Rockies, they brought back Jalees Chassin, who uh, actually pitched good for Jalees Chassin's standards last year. Uh, any interest in him? Uh, super late in drafts? Um, not quite. Uh, did they say he was going to be a starter? Cause I know last year he was out
1: of the bullpen, right?
0: Uh, he mixed, um, uh, intermixed. Yeah. Right now they yeah, actually have so the bullpen. They have yeah, the not so bullpen made, on made, roster resource. He made, yeah.
1: He made one star last year. So out of the bullpen, um, not, not much interest fantasy wise, but he, yeah. he was better than expected last year. Yeah.
0: I don't know why I feel like he pitched more as a starter. That's bizarre. Really bizarre well, stuff.
1: His, his whole, his whole career he
0: has. He's a starter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, CJ Kron, though, now this is awesome because year after year, it's like, where's Cron going to play now? Because no team is like a redheaded stepchild, just keeps getting thrown to the curb left and right. Well, the Rockies uh, gave him a two-year deal, so he's going to be there for a little bit, which is good to see. Average went up because that's what that ballpark does. The power is the power. Um, Kron, for the only downside is usually you get Cron for cheap for a while because no one knows where he's going to play, and he just continues to produce no matter where he plays for the most part. Well, now you got to pay for it, which stinks. He's picked 138. Are you in on C.J. Cron this year? I am in on Cron. Um, last last year he had knee surgery in the offseason, and he
1: started off a little slow last year. And then once he started to get it going, he, that second half was just ridiculous. Um, I could see him doing even better next year. The 28 homers, I'd probably expect five to seven more, especially if he's going to play every day. Um 280 average I think is repeatable and at pick 140 like he's going around Josh Bell. I'd much rather have him than Josh Bell.
0: I'm 100% on board with that and the one thing is is like we try not to speculate too much on certain things but I think we have to at least pretty much agree like the um the universal dh is coming. That's going to be a part of this deal like one way or another. He'll benefit tremendously cuz a lot of his missed time was either like a minor injury thing or a platoon situation once in a while. Like they bring a lefty out there and sit crone. You got him the chance to slide in the DH. He's I like, think it's gonna he's gonna play. So I think that's a big thing. Plus you keep him off the diamond to get hurt. So it's it's a win-win. I think he's built for a DH role and that's a that's a fun one to take a look at. Chicago Cubs made a big splash almost at the witching hour last night. Um, I'm a huge Marcus Stroman baseball fan. I love what this little guy can do out there. Um, he's awesome. His ERA, his ratios are great. It's always been a strikeout question with him. You know, he still doesn't strike out a ton of guys, but it's you know, over twenty percent K rate, still very respectable, and he pitches a ton of innings. Now he's going to Chicago, where they might not win him a lot of games. So that's gonna be fun, but he's gonna pitch a lot. So what's your thoughts on Stro going to Wrigley Field?
1: Uh I'm not sure he puts up the, the last two seasons he had a three two and a three oh two ERA. I'm not sure he's He'll be quite that good, but uh, he's a solid, like you said, solid pitcher, gives you innings. Um, you don't know how many wins he's going to give you because the Cubs aren't a great team, but you know, he's a reliable pitcher. Uh, there's nothing wrong. It's funny, though. He blocked me on Twitter. I have no idea why. I didn't do anything to him. I never thought I I like Stroman. I never talked shit to him or anything, it's, so I don't, I don't know what I did, but when he announced that um, he signed with the Cubs, he did it himself. I had no idea because I can't see when people share it, I can't see it.
0: That's funny. That's really really funny. Um, yeah, no, I, I like what he's. I think he's going to be good there. I, I agree. The ratios could be interesting. The going at division's not going to hurt. That's for darn sure, which is really really good. But um, I'm intrigued because his price tag's a little higher than last year. I had him everywhere last year. He's like past pick 200. I had him in redraft leagues, you name it. I was like, this is too good just for the consistency factor. I'll take it. Got to pay a little more this year. but He seems to keep lining up on my teams. So it's just the way it goes. Uh, They made a couple of outfield moves. They got Clint Frazier and Harold Ramirez. Frazier likely starts out in the minors. We'll see. Harold Ramirez, I liked what we saw from him in his his, uh, intermittent time there with Cleveland. Any interest on either one of those two guys? Yeah, I'm actually interested in both of them. Uh, Harold Ramirez is a guy that –
1: Hits the crap out of the ball and doesn't strike out. Um, even though he hits a bunch of grounders, he's still really interesting. Maybe in like dynasty leagues, you can pick him up. Um, he's probably on the waiver wire. Um, Clint Frazier is a guy that I was always a big fan of. Great chase rate, hits the ball in the air a bunch. I thought he'd be a perfect fit at Yankee Stadium. He just, you know, just didn't work out. He couldn't stay healthy. Um, I'm I'm interested in both. They should both play every day, I would imagine. Yeah.
0: yeah, besides like Rafael Ortega in the outfield, you have Jason Hayward there and you have Ian Happ. So there's one spot at least for them unless they make a platoon with Ortega, which is possible, and then just kick Jason Hayward out of there. That'd be a great maybe, start too. Maybe yeah.
1: Frazier DHs? He, I know he's not that, the best
0: defender. That's a good call. That's a really good call. That'd make a lot of sense, a bunch of sense. So mm-hmm. I could see that happening as well. It'd be interesting because I, I think Clint Frazier's hit tools in the like undeniable. Like we've seen it be very good. I think a lot of it, and I, I get pet peeved about it a lot with young players, they need consistent playing time. And when you don't give it to them, it's just not good. So maybe a change of scenery being in uh, New York there, it was always negative. So we'll see how Wrigley does for him. Uh, the other move, that they picked up Young Gomes on a nice little team friendly, like two-year 13 mil. I've always been a fan of Young Gomes, especially when he needs to play regularly. Obviously, he's behind Wilson Contreras right now. Wilson Contreras had that fun tweet about him basically getting traded uh, the second they signed Jan Gomes. And that's an option because they've talked about it before. But uh, what's your thoughts on Gomes right now, considering he's the backup for now?
1: It would be surprising if they didn't trade Contreras because, yep. you know, they're not a team that's playing, that's playing to win right now. So if he does get traded, Jan Gomes is going around pick 350 right now, 360. So he's a pretty nice, maybe catcher three. Maybe better catcher four. Um, I don't know if you want to draft four catchers in the first 300 picks, but
0: um, uh, I, I like Gomes. Yep, I'm with you. He's a he's a guy because he could easily slide into a starting job if they do get rid of Contreras or Contreras will DH a lot too. Also, so that's going to be interesting as well. He's at least probably once or twice a week when he gets an off day behind the dish. So um, Gomes is going to get his playing time. He might run into 80 to 90 games even if Contreras is there. So mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see how that one plays out. Uh, Seattle Mariners here, Adam Frazier coming over in a trade, which is big to see gonna be a starting second baseman. Coming off a great year, it obviously slowed down with the Padres when, you know, platooned and this, that, and the other, but was playing great for Pittsburgh. He's been pretty consistent in years past. And what's your interest level in a guy like Adam Frazier?
1: In terms of fantasy, I don't really have much interest. He doesn't really give you anything outside of average. Maybe he bats towards the top of the Seattle's lineup, but I like to trade way more. Uh from a real life standpoint, you know, you want you want to get the least amount of bad players on your team as possible. So the Mariners giving up two prospects; they're never going to play for a starting second baseman. Um, yeah, in terms of fantasy, not not much interest in Frazier.
0: Yeah, he's not flashy. Like if you need a batting average guy or you need a, a bench guy to fill in when an injury happens, he's pretty solid. He's not going to help you a ton overall. So that's kind of where he's like a Luis Arias type, minus all the flexibility. So um, that's the way I look at him. The big move they did make, though, is they signed Robbie Ray, the AL Cy Young winner. This was a it surprised me, I guess, because I just didn't think they'd be in on him. But we all know what Ray did. It was, he's always been a strikeout guy. It's walks is the issue. Um, he got all that done. There's going to be massive. OK, massive is the wrong word. There's going to be definite regression coming his way this year because you can't have a 90 percent left on base rate. Right? Just not going to happen. But I think he's still going to be very good. What's your thoughts on him in Seattle?
1: Yeah, agree there. Um, the 90% left on base definitely sticks out. Um, the 260 Babip, it probably hard to, re- even though he's done that once before, that's probably going to be hard um, to repeat. But I can see him being a 3.6, 3.70 RA pitcher uh, that gives you just a ton of strikeouts and in innings. Uh, his main issue, always, other than the walks, has been homers, you know, 1.3, 1.5 homers per nine. So Se- going from Toronto to Seattle should help that a little bit. Uh, at least a little bit, so I, I could see him being a three five three six ERA pitcher. But in terms of where he's going in drafts, I, I I won't be having any Robbie Ray this year.
0: Yeah, it's tough. It's tough because I yeah, I agree. I think he's still going to be very good, but the price tag with the production is going to be tricky. So that's gonna makes it tough to make that work. Um, the Anaheim Angels they re signed Rossy Iglesias, one of the top closers in baseball. Um, is he right behind, like say uh, the haters and Hendricks for you?
1: Absolutely, uh, Iglesias is a closer I target because I don't want to pay second, third round price for Hader and Hendricks, which is happening nowadays for some reason.
0: Um, yeah, I've, I've been I've been guilty of it. I'll be honest; like I just I, I did one draft where I decided not to take closers early, and the way my saves look is just it, it's stressful already. in December, so um, I I, it's, I don't like it, but I see why it's happening. You you can make worse picks for sure. I just don't.
1: I guess it's just annoying as a drafter that like yeah. they're going so high, so it forces you to to take a closer high. I'm um, with you, But you know, a round pick sixty, that that is a slam dunk pick for me.
0: Yeah, I might have to try that with my next draft. Wait and go for the Iglesias route or Iglesias or one of the guys around him and see where that goes with my my builds. Maybe I'll be a little happier. Um, Anaheim also grabbed Aaron Loop, is a great reliever. Obviously with the glaciers there, that's gonna kind of hamper his production. Picked up Michael Lorenzen. Don't know what we're gonna get yet out of Lorenzen. He wants to be a starter. They have him scheduled to start. We'll see. Any interest in like Michael Lorenzen?
1: Not really. Um right now in drafts, he's going at pick six forty-five. I don't know if that's gonna go up now that he's on a team and announced as a starter, but he's had so much opportunity to be a start. Like he's never been a starting pitcher before or proven that he can be a, a effective starting pitcher. Um, he had a yeah, few perfect. good years as a reliever. Um, so I'm, I'm not really sure what he's going to give you, but I do think it's interesting. And at DC, if you can get him around pick 600 and he maybe is a two way player. Cause he said that he, that's what he wanted to do. He can hit, he can really hit. I think he has a 200 career ISO, which is ridiculous yeah. for a pitcher. Yeah. So yeah. maybe Maybe you slot him in to hit one weekend, maybe a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because he's going to start on a Friday. Or, you know, maybe he plays the Mariners or the A's, and you can slot him in as your starting pitcher. I think that's an underrated, like, flexible play at around 600. I
0: think it's a great call. A great call. Great call, especially for a draft and hold format, because it allows you that flexibility. We talk about positional flexibility with, like, the Chris Taylors of the world. This is a whole different animal. On flexibility. You can put him in a pitcher or as a like a utility player at times. Like that's that's huge, especially as injuries accumulate throughout the year. That can be very, very big. So that's a good call. A late round Michael Lorenzen type in these drafts. Uh let's go to one more here. I forgot. Noah Syndergaard, I was baffled by this one, but maybe I'm wrong. What's your thoughts on Thor with the Angels and what do you expect from him this year?
1: I don't think you're wrong. The one for twenty one is Pretty ridiculous considering he pitched two innings last year.
0: Yep. Um,
1: I'm, I'm a huge Syndergaard fan, but mm-hmm. coming off Tommy John surgery, I can't get behind uh, taking him, especially because he's going so early in drafts. He's going around, you know, I've seen him get taken as high as 150, and I've seen him get taken as late as like the early 200s. And I'm just not comfortable with him as my SP4 when, what is he going to give you, 90 innings, 100 innings?
0: Yep. That's my biggest question mark. It's like, I don't if they would if they would give him like a two or three year deal. Okay, cool, I get it. You're you're buying. You're gonna rehab him back and then and then enjoy two good years from him or something. uh The contract made no sense to me. And I, what are you getting? Like he's still so young. You don't want to push him too much. we're like Verlander, give me whatever you got. Just go because I don't care. You're you're like thirty six years old. Just go. With with Thor, you want him for longer. So it makes it very, very difficult. So I'm I'm super torn on that one as well. I hope he does well. I'm a fan as, just like you are, but I didn't get this one at all. Um, Tampa Bay, they went and signed Corey Kluber. Um, I I, fe- I faced a lot of uh, backlash on this one. I think it's, uh, you know, Kluber's good when he pitches, but two things, doesn't pitch all the time. And the Rays are going to probably Michael Walker him like, hey, give us four or five innings. What's that do for you for fantasy? Totally agree. I think they're going to use
1: him as a three, four inning pitcher. Uh, just throw a bunch of curveballs and cutters, and you know we'll take you out second, third time through the order. Uh, in terms of fantasy, I don't think I don't think he's a guy worth drafting because he's not going to give you wins. He's not going to give you a lot of innings. Uh, I don't, even though he's going to pick four hundred. I don't see a reason to to take him.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. It's a tricky one. I'll let someone else have that. Similar to like the Gosman comment I made earlier. If I get proved wrong, so be it. I just exactly. I don't see how it how it's going to work in that scenario there. Um, let's go to Steven Matz and the St. Louis Cardinals. Matz is one of those guys that everyone likes to make fun of. But when the season's over, the fantasy numbers aren't horrible. Like, it, it's it's tough watching him from time to time. It really is. But the fantasy numbers aren't horrible, especially where you get to draft him at. It's like you're not paying a premium. You're paying around pick 300 for Steven Matz. Are you a guy that's in or out on a guy like Steven Mets? Around pick 300.
1: I think I'm in. Uh, as we know, the Cardinals are the best defensive team in baseball, so that should help him a little bit. Going from the AL East to the NL Central should also help him. I, I can see him being a – he had a 3.82 ERA uh, last year. I don't see why he couldn't do that again with almost nine Ks per nine. I, I think Steven Matts is a perfectly fine pitcher.
0: Yeah, I think he's a great one, especially in these uh, longer drafts to kind of stash. But that even fits the redrafts at pick 300. He's a good, like, SP7 or 8 on your roster. And he's one of those guys at that point in the draft, if it doesn't work out, you can drop him. Like, it's not the end of the world. But he's got upside to be much better. Like, we saw what uh, J.A. App and John Lester did when they went to St. Louis last year. It changed everything. So, I think Matts has got – I've always kind of been a guy that's been kind of half in on Matts. And some years it's really bit me. And some years it's like I said, the end results are always pretty good. The problem with Matt's is you usually stream him. And that's when it gets dicey. See, you might miss some of the good starts and get some of the bad. But in St. Louis, he's going to be in line for some very, very good help, as you mentioned, behind him and in that division as a whole. So I think he's quite intriguing to pick 300, definitely. Uh, The Houston Astros, Hector Neris going to be like a sixth or seventh, eighth inning guy. So nothing too crazy yet unless injuries take place. But Justin Verlander, I wanted to ask you about him. Um... Apparently, now the deal is not officially done because of the lockout. Surprised me. I thought it was done. We'll see. Oh really? I didn't know about that. Yeah, that was the report that came out today because, like, it got reported like two weeks ago that they had a deal with the Astros, but nothing has gone through the league office. None of it. So he's still technically a free agent, which is interesting. I'm going to talk to you about him like he's with the Astros. I don't see that changing. Yeah. But what's your thoughts on him? Because you're getting him around, around nine or 10 right now. And, like I said, in the center guard part, Yes, he's coming off an injury. He's throwing. He didn't throw any innings last year, but he's at that age where I feel like if he's ready to go, he's going until his arm falls off. So, what's your thoughts on Verlander?
1: I think you're right about that. He's probably just going to, you know, he's 30, he's going to be 39 years old. He's going to go until he can't anymore because he wants to get, he's probably going to want to pitch 140, 150 innings. We can get that last contract, probably get like a two year deal after next year. Um, It's just someone I don't like to draft. Coming off Tommy John surgery, even though he's only going around pick 150 in the draft, I just in the draft I and mean, now he went at pick 21. I'd imagine that was an auto pick uh, mistake, but um, I can't get behind taking him that high just because I'm looking for innings and I'm looking for quality pitchers. One, you don't know how good he's going to be. Um, what and what they do with sticky stuff because we we saw he took a huge step up when he went to the Astros and that. Sticky stuff probably had something to do with that, uh, and then you have to factor in he's thirty nine. He might not throw as hard, and he hasn't pitched, so it's just someone I don't like to invest in. And I picked two hundred. I'm probably out.
0: Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. I think there's, it's a risk reward pick. I think there it's a ton of risk, but I could see the potential reward as well. Um, I have one share in three drafts. I'm not gonna go super crazy on him, but in that one draft he fell to like round. He was 15 or 16. And so I oh, said, wow. okay, let's go. He's like my SP6 or something. I was very SP heavy in that draft. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. I have as, an
1: as an SP6, that's a great pick.
0: Yeah, I went, I went super SP heavy. It's the one we did in, in Arizona where we had like no ADP. We're just kind of going and you just kept floating there in the draft. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go. Let's dance. So um, we'll see how it goes from there. Orioles signed Rudin of the door. Any love for Rugi? No, actually, when he
1: signed, I did not realize he had one of the worst seasons I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, in 2017, he hit 204 with like a negative two WAR. I've I don't think I've ever seen a season that bad. Um, pretty bad. I didn't realize how bad he was. Honestly, I guess I've never rostered him that much in fantasy. I know he has 30 home run, 10 steal seasons, but that's just not the player he is anymore. Even though he's only 28 years old, somehow.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Like I, had, I, I didn't realize it as much either. I was like, "Oh, cool, Baltimore, that ballpark." Even if he hits two twenty, he can he can run into like thirty home runs. Yeah, it's gotten bad. It's gotten bad with Rugie. So a yeah. uh, tough one there. Uh, the Padres they traded for Jorge Alfaro. They made some other kind of minor weird deals right now. I don't even know what to think of the Padres what they're doing. But I wanted to ask about Alfaro because you got you got you got uh, Austin Nola, you have Vic Caratini still there. You have Campusano the, the young catcher that they, you would think they'd want to get more out of, and now you got Alfaro. So what are you doing with catchers in San Diego besides maybe just avoiding them?
1: I, my friend Diggs and I have a strange theory that we both came up with, and I think we're on to something. I believe that in order to get rid of Hosmer, the Padres are going to have to attach a prospect to it. Yeah. And adding Alfaro makes me think that they're going to attach Campusano to Hosmer mm-hmm. in order to trade him. So I think uh a is a great late pick um yep. in draft and holds because I think he gets traded, and then b I think um Alfaro becomes and he played outfield a little bit for the Marlins, not that you want him in the outfield, but I think he can be like a bench utility guy that plays outfield first catcher he he's a better athlete than uh, people think um yeah. obviously he's not a great baseball player, but um I think he's He's not a terrible bench guy uh, for the Padres, real life speaking.
0: Yeah, I definitely see that in real life. I'm, I was just curious what they're going to do. the The Campisano trade thing makes a lot of sense. I'll say that much. Makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. he'd be just getting wasted so badly if he's like the fourth catcher in San Diego. It makes no sense at all. It, so
1: it also wouldn't make sense to carry four catchers.
0: No, like maybe they trade Nola with Hosmer or something. I don't know. I I, I, mean, yeah. I think I think the, the prospect part makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. So I, I could see that being the piece, but they're doing some weird things over there. Every, uh, there's a point where everything looks so great. They're spending money. They're doing this or doing that. And now you look at that roster and you're sitting there going, what are we doing? Like, what's the actual identity of this Padres team besides Tatis, whose shoulders half in place? Like, what are we doing here right now? It's a uh, very, very confusing Pittsburgh pirates. They added Susugo back. Uh, they got rid of Colin Moran, which made it a full-time job most likely for Yoshi, which is pretty awesome because he was hitting for, uh, for Pittsburgh, especially late in the season, and you can get him super late in drafts. Like He's one guy that he's going to go up in drafts because everyone's talking about how late he's going in drafts, but what's your thoughts on Tsutsugo, who's going to play likely regularly at first base for the Pirates? Tsutsugo's a great... I always thought he was a great hitter. I guess he just was never able
1: to find it out and uh, figure it out in Tampa Bay. Uh, all of his peripherals were always good to me, so I always took a chance on him. Obviously, it never paid off, but if he's going to play every day in Pittsburgh, I could see him being a sol- a solid pick. Uh obviously he's not going to go around 500 anymore. His min is 394. I could even see him going even higher than that just because of how bad first base gets um after the first, you know, 20 or so first baseman. Uh so yeah, I like that pick a lot in that yeah, range. Yeah, I,
0: I think he's a fun one. He's a very very fun one that I think is going to keep climbing up the boards as people start talking about it. And, and it might get a little too much, but I think there's definitely potential there for sure. Uh, The last guy I have on our list here, and I I, I didn't add everybody, but I got most of everybody, Um, Kirby Yates signed with the Braves. And I only wanted to bring this up because we're not far removed from Kirby Yates being a pretty good closer. We're not far removed from Toronto signing him to be a closer and then his arm fell off again. But you got Will Smith closing, who it's been kind of rocky. Any interest in a guy like Kirby Yates as being a a potential closer guy? He is coming off TJ – um earlier this year so he might not even pitch that much this year maybe it's just a we're going to wait for the future thing I'm overlooking it but thoughts on Kirby Yates it's not a bad signing um it's a good risk taken by Atlanta but
1: in terms of fantasy I'm not sure if I'm too interested I would rather take a shot ch- a chance on Sick taking over the closer role than Yates um just my opinion I Matsick, I think is a better pitcher than Will Smith um but I, I agree though Will Smith is shaky as the closer so uh I'd to bet I would say that Will Smith doesn't end end up being the closer for Atlanta by the end of the year.
0: Yeah, that's my biggest thing is uh I don't think he is either and when there's first rumors um of like Melanton maybe going back to Atlanta, that sounded good. There's some other ones, but uh the Yates thing just kind of is intriguing to me cuz I think that that opens a door for an angle of something to take place down the line so like in these draft and holds in the end game. I know, like I said, he's hurt right now, TJ. We might not see him till like June. That's one of those that can kind of slide in and be interesting, to say the least. Like, I don't know if you want to wait a whole half a season with the guy's not on a like plane. That kind of stinks, but it's it's in the the conversation at least. So he should um, be back. Or he should be back around like June or so. I, that's my guess because he had Tommy John in March of uh, last year, of this year, twenty one. Yeah, so yeah, so around June makes sense. So I'd say around June-ish he should be able to pitch. And mm-hmm. then it gives you, like, three to four months. <laughs> and that could be interesting. And not, a so, bad, not a bad pick in the 600s. That's what I'm saying. Like, we, you and I have done enough of these drafts, and a lot. some of the listeners have as well. Some of the guys we take in those rounds, like, is he any worse of a risk take than those guys? Like, he could actually pay off is what's interesting about it. Instead of, like, your ninth outfielder that's in a platoon role on, like, the Tigers, like, would you rather have Victor Reyes on the Tigers or take a chance on uh, Kirby Yates? Stuff like that. Yeah, exactly it gets interesting at that point um a couple of listener questions here to, to wrap up this this bad boy here um let me see where we go we got the one the only mike carter good old the doc good guy good good guy he says Love mike mike's the man like meeting him in Paz. there's a lot of good people out there genuinely one of the best human beings i've ever met um what team do you think improved the most this past week or a couple weeks
1: I would say it has to be the Rangers, no? Just because, yeah. They as much were... as we make fun of them, yeah, I'm with you. It's either them or the Mets, right? Yeah, it would have to be them or the Mets. I would say the Rangers just because of how bad they were before.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Like the Mets, obviously, like the, like I said when we started out, you look at their lineup and it's more loaded than it has been in a long time. But the question with the Mets still is how healthy Scherzer, how healthy is Degrom. If just one of those pieces isn't working, that's trouble. If both aren't, then what are we doing here? And so that makes it interesting. Where the Rangers, they were so bad. Just getting John Gray alone as an ace now is interesting. And you mentioned, you know, Seager and Simeon, as much as we want to make fun of the the money, still pretty good deal. Um Mr. RW at Rebob72 asks, which team has not taken advantage of its championship potential window? Three awesome starting pitchers by signing some much needed bats, and why is it the Brewers? But then he followed up because shortly afterwards they went and got Hunter Renfro. So not as worried about the Brewers. But do you think they should be doing more?
1: No, I really like what the Brewers are doing. Um, yeah, when they, they, they took a good. chance on they took a chance on Urias last year, that worked out. They got Renfro. I really like Tyrone Taylor, and then they have the best pitching staff in baseball.
0: I, I like yeah. the Brewers. I like that roster a lot. It's a very good roster. It's got proper depth. Then, then that pitching staff with that bullpen, Whew. it's a it's a scary one. Oh, uh, to, to to Les, yeah. too.
1: They went out and got toles
0: Yep, I'm I, and I've always well. Most of us that like just fun baseball, Rowdy Tellez is amazing. Just play him every day, please. That's all he needs. Just play him every day, and please. you'll be happy in the end. Uh, Whole Camels at Daily underscore Phil asks, John Gray or Stephen Matts twenty twenty two.
1: That's tough. That's I think one. I'd go Mats because of team.
0: I think you're right. I want to stay John Gray so bad, but it's like when we talked about John Gray, it's just like it's still Texas. And what are we going to get? Like, where, where are we going with this? But Matt's like, I think we know we can get with Matt's like for the most part, just by looking at his consistency throughout his his career. And now on a better situation where John Gray, there's still so many questions of who exactly is John Gray. That's like, that's part of my thought process. Like have we seen the real John Gray yet? I don't know. I really don't. So it's tough more of a question mark than Matt's. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's, it's very, very interesting. But what is not interesting is how well it is interesting, wrong truth, of how awesome this podcast was. And uh it's been an awesome chance talking with you and getting to uh to get your thoughts on all these uh these players that this the craziness we saw. And I'll ask you this, I didn't want to lead off with it because it's always a doom and gloom thing. Are you pretty confident we get a full season this year?
1: I'm confident, yeah. Uh, the, there's too much money on the line nowadays. Uh yeah. and these teams just shelled out what did what did I say, two and a half billion dollars to free agents? Yeah.
0: Yeah, pretty crazy. I,
1: I can't, I can't see them, you know, because the owners just lost money in 2020, and I can't see the players not wanting, you know, Scherzer's, the um, one of the leaders in the MLBPA. I can't see him, you know, trying to get a deal done, leaving all that money on the table.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, I know, you know, pessimistic pessimistic thoughts will continue to grow the farther we get into this, and we're only on day one of the lockout, but. Hey, I think anybody with half a brain has seen this coming a mile away like for a couple years now. <laughs> you knew that you knew this day was coming. They weren't going to just friendly shake hands and make this work. But I also agree I think that like kind of COVID lockout that we had, it hurt a lot. And it showed just how bad it could be that if they did another one so quickly, it could be like detrimental to a lot of things. So, I think they're much more aware of that now and it might be a couple months. I'm not stupid on that part. It might not be till like February or something like spring training comes around, but I'd say by like March 1st, I'm pretty confident we're going to have spring training going on. That's the way I, that's how I feel about it. I might be naive. I might be too optimistic, but I'm with you on thinking I, I'm pretty sure we get a full season and uh, I'm just going to continue business as usual. I'm going to draft. I'm going to prep. I'm like, I'm not going uh, to be shutting things down because they shut things down. I think we're going to be rocking and rolling here as well. So, I appreciate you joining me. Um, Make sure you guys... uh, How's the podcast going? I know you guys are a few episodes in. How's it going? It's going really well. Um,
1: I have a decent amount of listeners for just starting a podcast. That's good. Um, Me and Diggs have done... We just recorded our third the other day, and then I've done one solo um, called The Arm Barn, I'm calling it. Uh, I love it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I couldn't think of a good name, so just good yeah you know, yeah yeah um no it's going well though um and again i appreciate you having me on um i just started getting into podcasting obviously i've only been doing it for a few weeks and uh i really appreciate you having me on
0: it's fun man it's fun and, and like the whole reason i started my podcast uh, back in the day is because i love talking sports and this gives an avenue for it and fantasy baseball is awesome so it's fun to just sit and chat with other people that enjoy baseball and that's what you guys are going to do—is talking with Diggs. Having a good co-host is always a a fun thing. Solo pods are fun; they're challenging, but they're fun. Very uh, challenging. I I'd yeah.
1: take I take so many sips of water, so i was losing my oh, voice to talk so
0: much. It's people don't understand. It's it's a, it's a grind. It's a grind, but it's it, fun. It and uh, you're very knowledgeable in your baseball stuff, so it's good to get you out there. I've listened to a couple episodes already. You guys oh, are going to find your your, your rhythm and rock you. and roll. So it's a it's good, good out there. And um, I appreciate you joining me, and we'll we'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. All right, everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 419, uh, recapping the wild and wacky fantasy baseball hot stove with Ryan Venancio at VIN underscore arm barn. Catch you all later.